Uh, well, my, name's, my name is Robert, if I've not met you, um, and it's, uh, it's good to be, be here. Uh, I am 46 years old. We don't always introduce our name and our age, but um, I know some of you are thinking, boy, the fella you know, doesn't look a day over 35, and uh, thank you, thank you for that. Um, prior to turning 40, wisdom was not something I thought much about. You know, it's not valued that highly in our culture. It's not something that's talked about a lot. And so it's not something I sought after. But sometime after I turned 40, I started thinking about it a little more. I recognized that the stakes were higher than they once were. When I was in my 20s, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think that's part of the plan. We're, we're meant to make some mistakes and learn and grow from them. Um, but in your 20s, uh, the consequences aren't as great as they are 10, 20, 30, 40 years later. So now in my 40s, I, I recognize that the consequences have grown significantly. Uh, there's a greater weight. It's in this decade that I'm in now that our boys start becoming men and uh, prepare to leave our home. Um, so some of those parenting decisions just get weightier. Uh, there's some financial decisions that are getting weightier. We, we start thinking about not just today, but um, you know, have, we, have we saved enough money to retire one day? Uh, we start thinking about our health a little differently. We start thinking about our parents' health a little differently. Um, and it's in this decade that uh, love in a marriage often grows cold. That's a big deal. Now, I recognize that a lot of you aren't in your 40s, so you can check out for the next 20 minutes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I actually wish when I was in my 20s, I had heard more about wisdom, that I'd heard some people talking about that. So for the next little bit, we're just gonna walk through this passage and maybe learn some things about wisdom. So it's gonna be on the screen. I know this is a long passage, but it's a great story. Uh, King David, um, probably heard of, uh, this is kind of the end of his chapter and the beginning of Solomon's chapter. These were the two greatest kings in Israel's history. And uh, things went down pretty quick after this. And uh, so this is some of the story of this transition of power. So starting in verse 10 of chapter two, then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his rule was firmly established. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his, David, by his father David. We'll stop right there. So this walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, this was David's desire for his son. He knew that this job was gonna demand so much and his prayer was that the, his character would be able to bear the weight of it. Earlier in chapter two, I don't have it here, but uh, we see this charge to his son. He says, be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires, which is walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands. So David knew from experience that it was in his best interest to keep his eyes and his focus on God. He knew that when he drifted, when he pursued other things, um, when he failed to walk in obedience to God, the results just weren't normally very good. We know that David wasn't perfect. 
when he sinned, and we, and we know from his story that there were moments where he sinned greatly, he came back to God. He confessed his sin, he was forgiven, he was restored. And he knows the same thing's gonna be true for his son. And so more than anything else, he wants Solomon to know that he's gonna prosper when he walks with God. So back to the passage, it says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. So except, right? Everything's going well, and then that one little word. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. You may be thinking, I don't even know what he's talking about, the high places. So basically, it's, uh, there were these, these were originally places where other gods were worshiped. And later on in Solomon's life, he keeps doing this and syncretism creeps in so that Yahweh is worshiped in this place, but so are the other gods who used to be worshiped there. The motives were kind of pure at the beginning, but it would later on lead to some bad things. So continuing on, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Now, he's not four and a half, not that much of a little child. We think he's probably around 20 years old at this. Here's what he says. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now, can you imagine God telling you as a 20-year-old to ask for anything? I can think of a hundred things I would have asked before I got to wisdom. Um, but what he asks for is that, right? A discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And ding, 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 that's the, that's the right answer, Solomon. Because look, it continues on. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies. I always chuckle with that one. But for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. So he comes back to these same things that David has said to him. Now, if you know anything about Solomon, if you've heard of him, the thing you probably know more than anything else is that he was known as a wise man. He's actually known as the wisest man. So just wanna talk a little bit about wisdom this morning. I'm just gonna ask three questions. Uh, what is it? Why should we pursue it and how do we get it? So what is wisdom? So it's different from knowledge, right? You can, uh, 
You can have knowledge and not be wise. You can know a lot of facts and not have wisdom. Mandy sent me this thing last night. It says, um, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Um, wisdom is, is personified in Proverbs as a female. You know the, the, the female name Sophia? Uh, that's Greek for wisdom. And uh, just as an extra bonus, I learned that it's the number five baby girl name for 2021, according to babycenter.com. Down one, it was number four last year. I don't know what happened. But I found out 20 years before that, in the year 2000, it was 42, so it's making a rise. Can't wait to see what happens next year. Um, in Proverbs, we see Sophia calling out to people to come and receive wisdom. You don't have to pay for it. Doesn't matter where you grew up, where you went to school. You just have to want it. That's what Proverbs talks about. You just have to want it. It's meant to be pursued. Now, the, the book of Proverbs also talks about the opposite of wisdom. Who can tell me the word for that? Starts with an F. Foolishness. Yeah, talks a lot about foolishness. Uh, I made the mistake of asking Mandy um, the other day if she could think of times when I'd been, been foolish. That was not a wise thing to do because she starts talking. And for like five minutes, she's naming all these things. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm good. I got it. I'm good. Thank you. Um, a lot of my foolishness uh, when I was young was really due to me being naive. Um, I've learned in the last, really the last 10, 12 years that I am not a detailed person. So uh, one of the, the stories she reminded me of was about 15 years ago, we had just moved to Memphis and bought our first house and somehow I, I got hold of a free refrigerator. We already had a refrigerator, but I thought we could put this in the laundry room to have a second refrigerator. And she had asked if I had measured it. I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I'm sure it'll fit. So we get there, it's on the front porch and Mandy goes out and measures it and says, I just measured it and we're a quarter of an inch off. My response, does a quarter of an inch really matter? Well, it turns out it does. And so then my next response, typical of a male's response is, well, I'll just make it fit, which doesn't work, doesn't work. So if I'm honest, my, my history of foolishness though doesn't just, isn't just due to being naive. It's normally been due to pride, um, ego, and just being stubborn. Uh, so you're supposed to make some foolish moves when you're young. Um, wisdom is learning from that. And I was thinking about Solomon. You know, the way that we know, even before he asks for wisdom, the way that we know that he's, as a 20-year-old, he's got some wisdom is the fact that he knows he needs it. He knows he needs to ask for it. That's a key. So um, when I think about wisdom, I think about just some of the following things. There's a whole bunch, but here's just some things I've been thinking about. Wisdom is being aware of what you don't know and always wanting to learn more, always wanting to grow. Wisdom's learning from others ahead of you. I know as our kids have gotten older, we've always tried to have some parents in our lives who are a little bit ahead of us, especially as they were getting older and getting into high school years. Um, I've got a neighbor across the street from me who just sent his oldest to college. So I'm asking a lot of questions. How you doing? You gonna go get him next week? Because um, it's a big, big deal. So I'm learning that. Uh, wisdom is understanding yourself. Um, 
tools like Enneagram and other things that you just, you realize that you're a complex being. And as we understand ourselves more, we understand how we're wired, we understand what makes us tick, we understand what has a tendency of tripping us up, that's wisdom. Um, wisdom's getting help when you need it. I've always been really encouraged by this church that uh, that's something that's talked about and practiced and really valued. Uh, wisdom's recognizing that the world's view of happiness and fulfillment isn't always gonna lead to happiness and fulfillment. Here's one that I've um, continued to learn. Wisdom is um, living at a slower pace so that you can actually have the space to reflect on your experiences. So much of the time we make mistakes and if we are just living at a frenzied pace, guess what? We're gonna repeat those. So maybe it's been cycles of unhealthy relationships or cycles of poor financial management or just bad decisions, whatever it is, often those things happen because we have not taken time to reflect and bring meaning to our decisions. So when we can do that, that's wisdom. Wisdom reminds me that God is present in the midst of my pain, disappointment, and suffering. It's also reminding myself that God often does his best work in the midst of that. And then, you know, when you are feeling worried and stressed and when it just feels like the pressures of life are just pressing in on you, wisdom's not suppressing those feelings or thinking that we're wrong for being worried. But what wisdom is, I think, is maybe it's going outside and just looking at the birds and being reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 6 that, you know, these birds aren't fretting over what they're going to eat tomorrow because God takes care of the birds. And if God takes care of the birds, I remind myself in that moment that God will take care of me. I, uh, I talk a lot, I mean, I feel like just about every time I've been up here, I, I talk some way about faith and questions and deconstruction. And I'm a big believer in giving space to ask questions and that God wants that. God doesn't want us sitting alone with, with that. And a lot of us just need space after a while to kind of deconstruct. But I've also just learned that when all those questions are there and when there's a ton that I'm not sure what I believe, there's probably some things that I still believe. And it's really in my best interest to go back to those things and to just remind myself of the truths I do know so I can hold on to those. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways I do that is through songs. These songs that we sing have such great truths. And even some of the songs we sing today, just reminding myself, I can hold on to that even when there may not be a lot of other things I can hold on to. And I think that's wisdom, and it's something I continue to learn. There are... There are a lot of definitions I've come across for wisdom, but I think the one that, um, that is my favorite comes from Eugene Peterson. Um, I think it's on the screen. Wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. I really like that. Wisdom is an art. It's not science. You know, we have a lot of black and white rules. Do this, don't do this. And wisdom is not, Wisdom is more gray often, and wisdom is nuanced. It's an art. 
It's the art of living skillfully. It's not the art of making every right decision, of making all the right choices. It's the art of living skillfully. Every day we're presented with decisions that are not black and white. So wisdom is the art of living skillfully. I love that. In whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. Wisdom can help us navigate every kind of situation, whether it's big or small, whether it's good or bad. You know, we can be tripped up as much by when really good things are going, are happening. Sometimes because that pride creeps in, that ego steps in. Um, But whatever actual conditions we find ourselves That's where wisdom comes in. I I like this passage from Ephesians from Paul. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I was thinking about this. Definitely in my late teens, early 20s, I, I thought maybe a little too much about what is God's will for my life, right? It was very black and white. Who I'm, what kind of degree I'm gonna get? There's one answer. What kind of job I'm gonna get? Who I'm, what kind of person I'm gonna do? I mean, and it, and it almost was uh, debilitating sometimes trying to get that right. But understanding what the Lord's will is, I think Paul's saying it's, 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 uh, it's, way, it's bigger than that. It's smaller than that. It's in the everyday stuff. And it comes down to being wise and going for wisdom. So that's what wisdom is. Why should wisdom be pursued? This is quick. I've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, the book of Proverbs, again, paints this picture of wisdom as someone offering to be your friend. As you make decisions, as you navigate relationships, as you steer clear of temptations, as you endure challenging challenges and suffering, as you just seek to be successful in life. And I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty good friend to have, that that someone who's offering themselves to me in that could be a really good thing. And again, there's no money you have to pay. There's no tests you have to pass. You just have to want it. You just have to desire wisdom, and you can have it. And then last, how do you gain wisdom? Well, uh, we've seen it on the screen twice. Um, it's, it's in several passages in Proverbs. It's in the book of Psalms. We just read about it. Fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You heard that one? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If, if you want to know any, uh, any place in Scripture of how to get wisdom, it seems to be associated with this. So you might ask, so what, what does that mean? It's not going into a dark room and waiting to get for the Lord to jump out at you. It's not that, not that kind of fear. When I think of fear of the Lord in, in scripture, it's, I think of the words awe and respect. Awe and respect that leads to worship and allegiance. So when I think about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, I think about awe and respect that leads to worship and allegiance is the beginning of wisdom. And this is back where we started. These are the words of David. These are the words of God to Solomon. I think our culture today and actually forever um, preaches that the good life comes when we're in charge, when we take hold of things, when we are in control, 
then we will have the good life. But we see in scripture, and maybe we've learned in our own experiences at times, that things are best for me when I place my hope in God. That there are times when I have no clue what to do. I can't see very far in front of me, but I can trust God to help me. And actually, when I give, give up control, when I surrender, I'm at my best. This is what we teach our kids, right? That, that it's good that they're not in control, that we, it's good for them, even when they don't like it, that their parents are in control. Why? Not because we just like to lord over them, but because we know what's best for them and we love them. And God's the same way. We are children. We are the little children here, no matter our age. And God, we are at our best when we can give up control and let him lead. So David would say, and God would say, walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands. And this is something that I think we're challenged with today. Something this black and white, something this bold. And I'm reminded that, no, it's, it's throughout Scripture. God wants allegiance. God wants us to obey. Again, not because, and maybe we have these images of God as this tyrant. Maybe you've, you've, you're still working through some baggage over that, and I get that. But I think it's good to be reminded as a community that we are at our best when we can give up control and be led by God, the God who loves us. You know, as I was just thinking, um, when I saw that this was one of the passages in the lectionary for this week, we're just thinking wisdom is in short supply, it seems like these days. And whether we're dealing with COVID and what, you know, what, wherever you fall in it, it just seems like there's a lot of foolishness, right? I, I can see a lot of foolishness in maybe people who don't think vaccines work or people who refuse to wear masks. I can also see foolishness in me when I get really mad at that <laughs> and how I respond to that. And so it's just a tricky time. I think our government, when it comes to national and global things, when we read the news, government, our leaders need wisdom. Uh, and I think on a personal level, you know, when we are making health decisions, financial decisions, relational decisions, job decisions, we need wisdom. Life has been challenging. And so when I was working through this, and I'm thinking back to the foolish decisions I made when I was 20, but also yesterday, um, I think about, it's easy to kind of go to a place, boy, where you're just kind of sitting in the weight of foolishness. Um, and wonder maybe uh, how you move through that into something new. And I'm just reminded that there's always the opportunity. There's always the opportunity to gain wisdom. Wherever you've been, whatever decisions you've made, today is a day that you can ask for wisdom and you can ask for help. I love that, I think the most profound prayer there is, is help. Doesn't have to be much different than that. So as we come to the table, as we come to a time of communion and worship, 
I think we are reminded more than anything of our neediness, what we just sang about, that in these moments, we're reminded that we don't come to God with everything figured out, having made all the right decisions. We come expressing our need for help. We come expressing help for those places where we have missed the mark. And we come with a desire not to just do better, but to receive his help and then go out. So that's what we have an opportunity to do. So I wanna pray for us as we enter that time of communion. So God, thank you for uh, these ancient stories that remind us who you are and what you've done in lives before and what you wanna do in our life. I pray for each of us as we, as we come uh, before you become, as we come to the table, the bread and the, the wine, the juice, that we just be reminded that we can come to you no matter where we are today and receive from you what we can receive nowhere else. So we thank you for that. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, amen.